Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I am Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This show is brought to you by Luma. Check them out if you're looking for financing for multifamily, for senior housing, for student housing, or anything related, check out Lumit.com. Well, we have a great show for you today, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about financing and talk about who is doing lending, what type of lending sources are there out there, you know, what are we seeing for underwriting and, and rates today? Uh, and also for various property types and size deals, who might be good sources for you? Well, please welcome my guest. It's Tom Walsh, and Tom is Senior Vice President with Grandbridge, and it's the vision of Truist. Tom, good to see you again. Thanks for joining us. Nice to be back. Well, the, the big question on some people's mind <laughs> today is, is anyone doing loans? Anybody doing commercial real estate loans today? They're getting done. Uh, certainly not at the volume that we might like it to be, but they're getting done. Uh, mm -hmm. Different different lender types are more active than others. Uh, on the multifamily side, which you just mentioned earlier, Fannie, Freddie, and HUD are are both very actively lending, um, and and all three of them are going to have significant appetites in 2024. So we don't see that slowing down at all. Life insurance industry, um, most of the life insurance companies are in the market, being judicious and cautious, but but in the market actively lending. And uh, we don't we don't anticipate that changing going forward either. And in fact, life insurance companies usually ramp up their aggressiveness in the first quarter as they get all their new allocations and start over again. The bank side uh, is where you have seen uh, a lot of caution come into the market. A lot of the banks have slowed down uh, significantly in their lending volume. There are some banks out there that, from a commercial real estate perspective, you might say are out of the market. Uh, no one uses that terminology generally, um, but but it's close to that anyway. And and banks right now, if, if banks are going to do loans, they're going to be one of two things. They're either going to be very, very conservative, uh, total no-brainers as far as risk, risk goes, or they're for their best customers. Uh, if, if you're if you're a best in class customer of a financial institution, they might find their way to making you a loan. Um, if you're a person walking in off the street, knocking on a door of a bank, I need a loan to buy this building here. That's going to be tough sledding right now. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you say that. But we just closed a loan on a 90% vacant office building that uh, we listed for a bank. It's foreclosed. And the uh, buyer uh, got a loan on office, 90% vacant. But to your point, um, they had a really strong business and strong relationship. The lender said, you know, whatever you want. Yeah. You know, yeah. we got you covered. Yeah. And don't, I, don't, don't talk anywhere yeah. else. And, and that's not an uncommon scenario. <laughs> yeah. you know, there, are, there, are, there are customers out there with relationships with banks that they can walk in and almost get the bank to do whatever they need. Yeah. Uh, not everyone has that ability, but there are people out there that do. Yeah. So. And let's talk about rates today. What are some of the rates you're seeing loans close at today? And has that changed in the last 30 days? Um, you know, rates have come down most definitely over the last 30 days. Uh, the 10-year treasury, which is kind of the benchmark for permanent lending, 10-year treasury was flirting with five not that long ago in, in October. Um, recently, it's been down in the 430 range. That's a 70 basis point decrease. 
That's pretty significant. Um, SOFR, uh, which is the prime uh, floating rate lending uh, in index, has been pretty steady at that 530 rate now for quite a while. Uh, and, and SOFR reacts uh, in, not directly, but very much along the lines with the, with the, with the Fed in the United States. Um, and, and so when the Fed moves, uh, SOFR often moves, or actually SOFR often moves in advance of the, of the Fed moving based on the prognostication that they will move. Um, but you know the Fed has been relatively steady for the last few months, and given that, SOFR has been relatively steady, sitting at that 5:30 rate. Uh, on the permanent loan side, spreads uh, not a lot. Not a lot of spreads out there in the market under 200 right now. Uh, there there would be some for, for the right product type, right borrower, right loan metrics. There are some spreads under 200, but I, I would say the majority of deals seem to be going off in the 200 to 250 range. And so that would be at a, at a 430 treasury. That's between say 630 and 670, 675 around there, and and that that seems to be where a lot of rates are being locked right now. Uh, on on the agency side, which is you know obviously multifamily only, um, there's a there's a fairly big delta as as to what a specific deal will get for an interest rate. There are certainly rates in, in, in the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac world that are below 200 over, uh, probably could get down into the 170s maybe uh, for the right deal, especially if it has a little affordability to it. And 170 today puts you basically right at six, which is historically not a bad rate at all. Um, but probably your more typical rates uh, on the agency side today are probably in that 200, maybe 200 to 10 range or so, which puts you, you know, back into the low, low to mid sixes mm-hmm. where, where, where a lot of transactions are going today. On the floating rate side, really the, the best spreads that we're seeing out there in the market right now in bank world are really 200 to 10 or so. And, and, and I would go back not that long ago to tell you that the best bank spreads out there in the market are, are 140, 150 for the best customers. That that seems to not really be in play now. The 190 to 200 kind of seems to be where the best deals are going off. And that's uh, you know 200 over is 7.3, which, which in a lot of people's minds, that's pretty high, 7.3. Uh, there, there are, but it, it goes up from there. there. There are certainly bank deals getting done at SOFR plus 300, mm-hmm. which is 8.3. Mm-hmm. Um, I think prime, I think is about eight and a half. Uh, so, so when you think of you borrowing at prime, that, that's a pretty good deal to be able to borrow at prime with a bank. That's eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, prime plus one is nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Numbers start to get a little scary when we approach 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, on, on the floating rate deals right now, the rates are most certainly higher. Um, what what makes floating rate deals uh, appealing to people though is you're not committing to a long term mm-hmm. on it and and there's a belief out there and and you ask ten different people get ten different answers but I but I think it's pretty obvious that the belief is rates uh, sometime in the next two or three years are coming down as to how far how quickly who knows but they're coming down so you do get people that even though the 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 rate when they're doing a loan seems a bit high on the floating rate side, they'd rather do a floating rate deal um, and not commit to a long-term deal. Yeah. So. Well, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned rates at six to 7% range. You know, I've been in this business for, for a very long time. And when I think, you know, historically to me, 
those seem like pretty normal rates. What, what, what do you see when you kind of look at that historically? I think if you borrow money, and I'll go back to 10 years, which is kind of the benchmark rate, 10-year treasury rate. For 10 years, if you were able to borrow money in the five and a half to six range, I think that would be pretty good at 47 of the last 50 years, probably. Unfortunately, the years where that would be unusually high, we just had those years. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, you're coming out of COVID in 2021, 2022, we saw, you know, historically low rates. I mean, SOFR, it was, you know, LIBOR at the beginning of that process, SOFR now mm-hmm. was down almost approaching zero, mm-hmm. basically at that point. The 10-year treasury was down in the mid-100s there, 140-150 at one point, where we're closing loans, you know, a, a favorable multifamily or industrial deal in that era could have gone off on a 10-year deal like 275, 280, yeah. 290, mm-hmm. which were historically ridiculously low rates. Um, and, and And what hurts the market today, I think, is that that was only a very, very short time ago. And so they, and it's fresh in our minds, and especially in some borrowers who who look at six and a half and go, my God, I, I borrowed at three and a half just a couple of years ago. Six yeah. and a half seems crazy high um, when it's not really. It's right. not. Um, I mean, on a historical basis, the, the, the rates today, they might be a shade high, but but certainly nothing that you, people would get excited about being high. Right. Right. What are some... Um, time ranges it seems like uh you know back uh, in 2021 you could get a loan closed pretty quickly <laughs> what should you think about today i mean we're we're on i would say kind of a conventional schedule right now mm-hmm. um in most cases uh if you go under application for a loan whether it be an agency loan or a life insurance company loan you're looking at usually 60 days to closing from that date mm-hmm. from the date you sign the application mm-hmm. and as to getting to application you know that can be anything from from a week to a month. You know, just on a, the borrower, yes, the borrower and the, the complexity of the deal, right. stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, so it, it's not taking longer than normal at all. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a time, you know, recently when when everything was running at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, that's not happening now. Mm-hmm. There, there is most lenders, uh, whether it be life insurance companies, banks, agencies, they realize that that purchases. Have timeframes that are that are fixed, and, and they will they will roll up their sleeves to get an acquisition deal done as quickly as they have to get it done to meet the borrower's timing. Mm-hmm. On that, I would say refis are going to fall into that sixty day normal period. Yeah, there. yeah, well, that's um, fair. And uh, in case you're listening to this, uh, not this week. This is December of 2023 yeah. because you know interest rates could be higher, right? Interest rates could be lower. Things can change pretty yeah. quickly, and we're going to do quite a few shows on financing here uh, in 2024 since things are moving so quickly. And um, and Tom, I guess lenders are looking pretty close at uh, debt coverage ratios today, right? Mm-hmm. What have you seen for trends there? Uh, most loans today are debt cover driven. Mm-hmm. And and because of that, uh, the, the historical idea that you can borrow 75% loan to value on a deal and you can always get 75, that's kind of the market, that's out the window right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, debt cover driven deals, depending on the property type, will drive your LTV down into the, into the mid to high 60s, 
high-end multifamily deal that if you want to say a, a deal that would trade at a very aggressive low cap rate, you might drive you down to 50%. Right. You could have a 50% deal with a one, two, five debt cover, which, which historically we've never had that kind of math, right. um, but we do have it now. Now we have seen, uh, in the last 12 months or so, we have seen a, at least an upward pressure on cap rates, mm -hmm. uh, which, which would solve that problem a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, but the upward pressure on cap rates has not even been close to, to being able to offset where your debt constants are today, um, so um, it, it's you know it, it, on on a really a really desirable deal, one two five debt cover kind of deal. Um, that's what you can get, whether a bank or a life company. I would tell you that there's still a lot of lenders out there that would prefer to play in the one three zero one three five minimum debt cover. And if you if you if you have that lender, you're you're going to be lucky to to get to sixty on loan to value. Yeah, but almost. Almost every deal that we look at today, loan amount is driven by debt cover, not not by value. Right, that makes sense. And have you seen those debt coverage ratios uh, increase? Are lenders kind of being more conservative? Um, in some cases, yes. It, it, it kind of depends on the type of lender you are. Uh, on, on the Fannie Freddie side, because proceeds were so so suppressed by the by the math of, of how these deals are working today, uh, we're seeing a lot of one two five deals. There, um, they there, there was some talk about about some one two zero type stuff. Uh, I would say maybe that started a year ago when rates started taking off or so. Mm -hmm. um, we really haven't seen that. Uh, Fannie and Freddie Mac have both toyed with thirty five year amortizations in order to try to get proceeds up. They both at at, at some times over the last few months have offered thirty uh, five year amortizations. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've not really seen people push to 120 as far as debt cover goes. On the life insurance company side, they would really prefer to be playing above 125. I, I would say 125 is probably reserved for high quality multifamily deals and maybe high quality industrial deals. They would much rather play in the 130 to 135 debt cover area. Um, and that's that's probably been fairly consistent over the last few years, so I wouldn't really call that an increase, mm -hmm. but there is a bit of a, of a of a delta to where like the agencies play in multifamily and where the rest of the world plays on the commercial properties. Yeah, and that uh, I mean the agency lending has been great for for the multifamily sector, right? And always yeah. has, and yeah. I guess that's and that's that's planned, right? We all we all want housing. So, How about CMBS uh, Active? Uh, um, it 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 has been. Uh, a, a relatively quiet industry over the last 12 to 18 months. The, the math on rates has not been very favorable in the CMBS world. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's just that when you compare that to life insurance companies or to the agencies on multifamily, the CMBS rates have been 50, 70 basis points wide of that, okay. which has made it hard for them to transact. The CMBS world uh, in, in recognition of the rate environment we're in have come in with a five-year product now, which is, you know it used to be a straight ten-year deal. Knowing knowing that so much of the market is not really anxious to lock in for ten years at a rate that might start with a seven, mm -hmm. um, they came in with a five-year product. And in fact, you're seeing securitizations now of nothing but five-year CMBS loans. Um, they're still out there, still active. Uh, it's still a very viable product. Um, it's it's just kind of hard 
to get the numbers to work to where a borrower wants to transact. Yeah. A lot of the CMBS stuff being done right now is what we call SASB, which is single asset, single borrower deal. And it could be you know, the craziest example, they have a $500 million loan on a Manhattan building, you know, where that's a, you securitize that, that one loan and that's all. Right. Uh, probably, I'm just guessing, but I'd say maybe half of the CMBS transactions gone, going to market right now involve borrower, single borrower portfolios or single assets that are that are huge that can be justify a, a securitization of a single asset of that kind of size. Right. Let's talk about the different sectors and property types that some of our listeners and viewers might have. Obviously, multifamily is kind of the agency, kind of that that's an easy one, right? I, I mean, multifamily and industrial mm-hmm. are kind of 1A and 1B in most people's hierarchy. Uh, most lenders don't get enough industrial space, enough industrial collateral. And a lot of that is because a lot of the, the institutional industrial space is owned by REITs. You know, people, names, Duke, Prologis, people like that, you know, that, that everyone has heard of. And, and a lot of those companies, they do their financing through corporate finance, not through real estate finance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you'd be very hard pressed to find a lender out there that would say, "Yeah, we got enough. We've got enough industrial in our portfolio." Right. Okay. At the same time, with Fannie and Freddie taking such a huge market share on the on the multifamily side, the rest of the lenders also would tell you, "We don't have nearly enough multifamily either." Mm-hmm. So, so that that drives uh, th- those property types to, to to be very very highly regarded. Um, that's where you're going to get your most aggressive underwriting. That's where you're going to get your your lowest spreads on industrial multifamily. Uh, going down from there, and 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 it's a it's a pretty good step down from there. I, I would say retail um, is still in pretty good shape with most people. They're judicious. Everyone would love to get gross or anchored on retail, mm-hmm. um, but there's only there's only so much there's only so many Kroger and public centers out there, or mm-hmm. Safeways or Vons wherever you are in the country. Um, so there's a lot there's a lot more non gross or anchored retail than there is gross or anchored retail. Yeah. Um, the it's it's funny the the old fashioned unanchored strip that runs parallel to the road. It's got six bays, eight bays, ten bays in it. Which used to be kind of the redheaded stepchild of no offense, all right, <laughs> of, of of retail, all right. That now has been viewed as one of the best properties in retail, because because most people, you and I, could come up with the ten tenants with with nails, hair, pizza. You know, it's not that hard to fill ten ten bays up right. in a shopping center. Right. Uh, the 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 centers with um, multiple big boxes mm-hmm. in them are tough. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, a lot of the big box tenants are tenants that are more susceptible to uh, uh, internet sales, uh, mm-hmm. fighting against them. And and obviously, which everyone knows who can drive around and see uh, regional malls are, are struggling on a national basis. You still have, you still have your destination location malls that are doing fine, yeah. you know, but those those tend to be in urban to semi-urban locations. Um, when you get out into the burbs, certainly the far-reaching suburbs, a lot of those malls are really struggling. Well, if you have a strip center, a smaller strip center, you need financing. What are the best sources right now? 
Um, most of that stuff would be done uh, with life insurance companies. Uh, I mean, if you have a bank relationship mm -hmm. and, 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 and you'll, you want to stay kind of short on, on, on your duration, that's certainly one of the, that your bank might be willing to do. But a, a lot of that stuff gets done with life insurance companies mm -hmm. who have more of an appetite for what we call the permanent type, you know, the longer permanent type. How about loans. small balance type loans on those strip centers? <sighs> small, small. Um, we, we have life insurance lenders go down to a million. Oh, okay. Um, and, and transact all day long mm -hmm. between one and three million. So, okay. I mean, I mean it, it's a finite number yeah. that plays in that space, but there are multiple people in that space. Okay. How about financing self storage today? Self, self storage is a funny thing because um, it is proven over and over again. If you go back to the Great Recession or the Great Financial Crisis and you go through COVID and all that, it is a very resilient product. Mm -hmm. And, and it has performed very, very well. A lot of people love self-storage. There are still people in, in, out in lender world that view that as one of the out of, out of the mainstream property types and take a very cautious approach to it. Um, but but uh, it's, it's pretty mainstream now, I think. There's a lot of lending sources that like it. It's done fairly well. It's a, it's a property that is a fairly simple underwriting deal it's a it's a t12 underwriting property because of cyclicality you can't you can't take six months and annualize you know just like you can't do it like with a hotel you really need full one-year spans mm -hmm. on self-storage but you take your t12 there apply a debt cover debt yield to that not that hard to come up with a loan amount um, but it's a product type that's done done very well and is that uh source is best for that or what um, it would still be the life insurance companies, I think, okay. by and large. Um, you will you'll find some debt funds mm -hmm. in that. It, it, it is a it is a proper and it's actually I should mention it's actually a fairly favorable CMBS property too, okay. because there's no TI and LC costs and reserves in dealing with that, right. and and so it, it's a property uh, like like multifamily is like hotels are. Self storage; those are all the property types that don't have tenant improvements and leasing commissions on an ongoing basis. Right. Because of that, you don't deal with the reserves that you deal with in CMBS loans that sometimes make those loans very difficult to stomach. Right? How about hotels? You mentioned hotels. What's the best source there? It's tough right now. Um, it's 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 primarily a CMBS product mm -hmm. still. You will see the occasional life insurance company deal mm -hmm. being done. With a, with a hotel that's usually going to be fairly conservative mm -hmm. um, and and often I, I would call in in one of the the major families of brands be it Marriott Hilton IHG maybe throw Hyatt in there with that too um, if if you get out of those a lot of the hotel stuff is still being done with small local community banks yeah. um, where where that owner has a relationship. Um, the, the large banks right now are to a large degree kind of pulling back out of the hotel business. Um, there's still, there's still a, a fair amount of hotel stuff getting done. And it's, and it's a funny product type because the, the hotel industry has done fairly well over the, over the last few, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, you know, 2020 was a throwaway with COVID. Right. But once you get into 2021 and things started to come back, 2022 is a pretty good year. 2023 has been a better year for a lot of them. A lot of those hotels are performing fairly well. 
right now, um, but it's a little bit of a guilt by association situation mm -hmm. on financing. Um, but there, there's still there's still ways to do it mm -hmm. out there. Um, and I said hotels are a very good CMBS product, and I think I think CMBS pool is going to market right now. Not unusual today, twenty five to thirty percent of that pool being hotels. Okay. What about financing for senior housing today? Senior housing um, is is always challenging. Mm -hmm. um, probably maybe a little more challenging right now than it usually is. Uh, you know, Fannie and Freddie and HUD all, all play in seniors' housing. Mm -hmm. They they play in slightly different ways. Um, and and their appetite on seniors will kind of ebb and flow a little bit where 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 the appetite of the agencies on multifamily seldom varies very much they they are in the market all the time in business looking for loans seniors will ebb and flow a little bit um, right now um, seniors is is <clears throat> still there still available but being underwritten very judiciously um, outside of the agencies, though, there are there are only a small handful of life insurance companies that will do senior housing. And, and I'll, I'll describe senior housing as something that has services. It's not senior, not a fifty-five and over apartment project, right? Right. Right. Okay, but it, ha it has some level of services. Right. Um, life insurance companies, I think, by and large, under the theory that. That's really a business more than it's real estate. Mm -hmm. Have tended to have tended to be very judicious or shy away from that product. Yeah. Um, banks have done over the years a fair amount of senior stuff, as we said at the beginning. Though banks banks are not doing a whole ton of business right now. I, I, I think I think seniors right now is challenging. Yeah, we just uh, got a couple of good quotes on uh, from HUD for senior assisted okay. living projects okay. and. Uh, uh, we we saw a good bit of those, you know, around uh, the southeast. Well, and here's one that uh, people really need some financing on today as a sector: office. <laughs> oh boy, um, um, very difficult mm -hmm. for for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Very difficult, and, and and the office problem, if we want to call it that, is, is going to take several years mm -hmm. to manifest itself. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these office buildings have have large tenants in them on they might have five seven ten years remaining on their leases their utilization is 50 percent right now they're still paying they're paying the rent because you know they're they're going concern they can pay the rent but you want okay what happens when that rolls mm -hmm. you know and 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 that question what happens when that lease rolls is is the predominant reason that everyone is being super cautious on office right now in the lending world it's easier for the lender to just say no office. Right. And a lot of them are saying that. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things that, that there, there are stories. Mm -hmm. Clearly there are stories out there that make sense and, and, and that have metrics that would allow you to compete no matter how bad the office market gets the metrics of this building, we will compete well with that. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, so you'd say, okay, that's a story that makes sense. We should, we should buy into that mm -hmm. as a lender. The problem is, and it, it's, it's a little bit, um, of, of, of loan officer career, uh, scenarios in that if I'm a loan officer and boy, this office thing, it makes total sense. We're going to do this loan. All right. That deal goes bad in 2027. And someone says, you did that loan back in 2023. 
what the heck were you thinking doing an office building while they're they're not gonna they're not gonna be concerned about mm -hmm. the metrics and the details of it. As right. you did an office loan in 2023 that went bad in 2027, yeah. that's a serious black mark yeah. on you. And and there's a there's a human aspect to this. These people making decisions, credit decisions, they're people. Right. They're not machines. That's and, true. and and so they, you know, they they in, in some ways, either overtly or covertly, they look out for their long term, you know, uh, salvation themselves. Yeah. So office is just hard. Um, yeah. Easier to get office done on a small on a small basis. Yeah. Um, you know there there are some of the smaller life insurance companies mm -hmm. that if you have the right story and mm -hmm. and the right sponsor mm -hmm. will still look at an office building on, on, under you know usually very conservative terms. Yeah. But when you get into institutional institutional quality buildings like this building mm -hmm. or the other stuff you know in the Glenridge area. Mm -hmm. That stuff's hard yeah. right now. Well, that's interesting. I think that's what's going to make uh, investing in office in 2024, uh, while it's scary to a lot of buyers, uh, I think a lot of buyers are going to make a, a ton of money uh, being mm -hmm. contrarian investors. And I'm under the I'm under the thoughts that it's, uh, office is going to turn around a lot faster than, than people think. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I, I would I would hope that you are right. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll give you just a quick reason why I think some, a lot of office is going to be converted to other uses. Um, you know, self storage, multifamily, yeah. uh, mixed use. Uh, some of it's going to be torn down. Uh, I also think new supply is going to going to stop. And you know, as soon as these buildings that have been underway are finished, there's not going to be much new supply in the market. Markets yeah. like Atlanta and the Southeast are going to continue to grow. And I think companies are learning more and more each quarter and each year that what that the work from anywhere, the problems with that with cybersecurity, trade secrets, and mm -hmm. culture, and and turnover, and top line and bottom line. And uh, there was a survey survey uh, by KPMG where uh, they interviewed CEOs that we covered last week. And the percentage of respondents that said they were gonna get their office workers who normally work in the office back in the office in the next 36 months, a year ago was like 36%, yeah. and they doubled yeah. this year. So it's like more and more they're understanding that, hey, for the health of their companies and their employees, there's gonna be some benefits getting back in the right office, right? Right, uh, right. So uh, I think it's gonna be a little bit like you know, multiple, well, housing, look, have people thought about housing in the Great Recession, right? No one's going to buy never, a house. Never going to come back. Never going to come back. <laughs> right? What happened? Uh, retail, right? Retail's been left for dead a few times. Yeah. Uh, look what happened. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of money. So any of your listeners who believe in that and want to invest in uh, office properties, please call me. We're going to put some people together. I think make a fortune. But if you go back to the summer of 2020, mm -hmm. which is not that long ago, mm -hmm. retail was dead and buried. Yes. Then yeah. it was never coming back. It was never going to be the same. Right. Um, and look at you know, retail. I, I don't know if thriving is the right word, but it's holding its own, certainly. Yeah. The, the proliferation of, of restaurants, both big and small, mm -hmm. um, the younger generations eating out much more than we did at, at that age has certainly helped all that um but retail has changed certainly yeah but but they have found uses they have found reasons to be yeah. in shopping centers and i i suspect if you went back and and looked at what people were saying of it back then through is it three and a half years ago or so now that it has not remotely turned out like they thought it would be yeah. or how they predicted it would be yeah 
um, maybe, and, and maybe you're right, maybe we get that same benefit with Office. We'll keep yeah. our fingers well, think, crossed. And to your point, I think Office will, will adjust and, and change, right? It's going to yeah. be healthier. It's going to be more inviting. Uh, I mean, I've seen some of these offices where I would I would fight not to go there as well. <laughs> you know? But you want me to commute and, and yeah. be in this little dank office? Yeah. Uh, please don't make well, me so, do that. I, I mean, certainly, <laughs> certainly the, the novelty of the work from home situation mm -hmm is wearing off mm -hmm. and, and and both in terms, I think of management of companies, looking at the benefit of, of, of the collaboration of having people all together uh, and, and even the positive social aspect of getting people all together, you know, in, in one spot where, where you're not isolated in a basement or in a, in a dining room at home at your dining room table. I think they see that. And I also think employees are starting to, are starting to see that this was not quite their nirvana. It seemed to be in 2020. It, it was so neat. We'd never done this before. Yeah. I'm working from home. And isn't this cool? You know, I think that's wearing off with a lot of people that are feeling like I really, I really kind of like to be in an office with a bunch of people there. And 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 the the energy yeah. that you have from activity going on around you, yeah. which you're not getting sitting at your dining room table. Yeah, and the separation right from home and yes. life and yes. Um, well, let's talk about the the safety of, of loans doing the to, that are being done today. You know, I think back in 07, 08, selling investment properties that we you know yeah. we we would forecast exit cap rates, and you know we were we most times when we were, times we were doing this, we're representing the sellers taking these properties to market, and we'd use the same cap rate that they were selling for as an exit cap rate. But we knew good and well with what was going on that there's no way. Yeah. So, and and if you look at loans doing being done today it seems to me and i want your thoughts on this that this could be some of the best time for lenders to do their safest loans they have potentially less competition probably a lower loan to value ratio uh, maybe borrowers getting in uh, at, at lower bases mm -hmm. um, maybe no um, interest rate risk at at, uh, at maturity um, and so it seems to me that, that this is a good time for lenders to, to build relationships and, and really put out some safe loans. Am I wrong? <laughs> you're, you're probably not wrong at all, yeah. really. But I'll, I'll use an example of uh, real commercial real estate loans done in 2009. Mm -hmm. I think if you look back historically, would probably be the safest commercial real estate loans ever done. Or at least, at least done in this generation, right? Or so, as far as far as far as where the economics of those properties that were collateral, where that where the economics went during right. that loan term, two thousand nine, it was not an easy time to get a loan, right? All right, um, and 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 the the, the 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 lending market can be counterintuitive that way, mm -hmm. and I think you're right. I, I think a, a market like we're in today is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, like I said, we're doing fifty percent loans, you know, and 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 being considered like a a, a max loan, and we're doing fifty percent loan of value right. on that. Uh, I think you'd have to be a, you'd have to be a real contrarian to believe that there is at least not some downward pressure mm -hmm. on interest rates, mm -hmm. and 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 that's kind of your salvation, mm -hmm. really, as far as your exit strategies go. Yeah. yeah. I think the loans today are, are being very judiciously underwritten, mm -hmm. using using exit rates, uh, exit cap rates, and whatnot that are very very safe, 
using using exit underwriting for debt coverage with rates that are very, very safe, that I think will probably end up playing out that those were too conservative. But that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Your 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 uh, problem you have in in the industry is is the opposite of that. It's the loans done in twenty twenty one, right, or, or or twenty and twenty twenty one that were underwritten that really low rate environment where there was no anticipation. I, I mean, they people certainly used used exit underwriting that was higher than the rates then, right, right. not where rates are now, right. There, you know, right. so so there are there are a bunch of deals out there in the market. You'd find them in debt funds. You'd find them in banks that that were underwritten at, at what everyone would have said was was prudently at the time. Yeah. That now the metrics of of, of the permanent market right now um, that you know, they're just not there. You you can't you can't pay them off. That yeah. we weren't we weren't ready for six and a half percent interest rates on the back end of that. Yeah. We might have been ready for four and a half or five. Yeah. We weren't ready for six and a half. So, so you if know. you're a lender looking to do safe loans and build great relationships, this seems like an yeah. incredible time uh, in the cycle to be doing that. Uh, I got a loan on an office building um, or had a loan on an office building at that time. And my huge bank said, hey, pay us off. And it was at the worst time when you really couldn't get a yeah. loan. And I said, well, you kind of picked the worst time. This building's in great shape. Great, I have great credit, great income. Um, why are you doing this? Said, well, it's come from the top. We're marked to market. We want you to pay us off. I said, well, uh, and they, they actually brought brought their guy out to look at the building. And I said, uh, and asked him why you're doing this. He said, well, it comes from the top and there's nothing we can do. Uh, and I said, you know who you guys use to sell your foreclosed property uh, in Metro Atlanta? He said, no. I said, well, you use me. So you use my company. <laughs> so you're gonna take my building yeah, and then someone else from your big bank should call me yeah, to sell it. Gotta, which is gonna be yeah. interesting. But they'll bring it up because uh your your bank, Truist, that that you're a division of at Grandbridge, uh came in and when uh the market was at the very bottom and so you know what? We're gonna build a relationship with Michael Bull and Truist did a loan for me. There you go. And it and it didn't click any box at the time. Yeah. But they built a relationship, and and it's and, and and I've sent a lot of business, you know. It's so, you know. I think this is a great time for lenders to be out there. And, and do you have any tips for lenders out there today? Tips for lenders or for dealing with lenders? Well, let's go with the well, lender first. You know, lenders are 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 captive to the credit environment of their institution, and by and large, credit environments across the board are conservative right now. And, and as I mentioned earlier, there, there, there's some personal risk in being the guy that recognizes the opportunity and says, we should really do this. This is a good opportunity, which might be counter, counter the market at that time. There's some risk in doing that. Um, I, I just think lenders should, in, like in your case that you mentioned, look at who you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And is this a person I, I I'm and I hate to use to say take a flyer because you'd never want to think you're actually, you know, going out on a limb and doing a deal. Right. But but is this a is this a, a person I would want to take a calculated risk with? Right. You know, and if your answer is yes, then then give it a shot Be, because as, as we experienced in 2009, 
the, the market is probably, you know, it's 90% likely to get better and maybe <laughs> right. only 10% likely exactly. to get worse. Right. You know, as to when that happens, yeah. we don't know when no, that happens, no, how, fa how fast rates come down. The bottom yeah. or the yeah. top. You can't yeah. time that, you know. Yeah. But it will get it, it will get better. It always yeah. has. It, yeah. it always will. Um, so, so don't say no as a lender. Look at look at opportunities. Look at the deal. Yeah. Look at the deal. Yeah. Look at the deal. Look at the, and and yeah. and and do the deals you're going to do with the people that you trust the most and value the most as your customer. Good tip. All right, well, let's talk about a bar that's maybe um, refinancing or doing an acquisition. Tips for them. Um, be early. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, today, to do a loan, uh, as, as far as application to closing, is probably not much different than it's ever been. Finding the loan is a little tougher and maybe a little longer process than it has been. Mm -hmm. So don't wait too long. Yeah. Okay. Um, you get out there. I mean, if you've got a maturity coming up and it's six months out, start talking. Don't wait to 90 days. Yeah. to start talking you know start talking at six months try to kind of get a feel for what the market's doing what what segment of the market might be where you might be able to transact yeah. as far as which type of lenders to do it um un understand there there are a lot of um two things there are a lot of cash in refis being done where i i can make you that loan but you're going to have to bring a check to the table to make it work, and there are people doing that. Mm -hmm. um, there's all. There also your acquisition loans are being done with probably higher levels of equity than we have seen in the last forty years mm -hmm. or so. Mm -hmm. Not not at all unusual to see come with, someone coming to the table with forty percent on a deal today. Forty five percent equals safe loan to me if I'm a lender. Yeah, if you're a lender. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, that that is commonplace. Yeah. Uh, large large equity checks at closings is is a commonplace thing today, and and lenders and I, I, and borrowers. I, I give borrowers credit. <clears throat> excuse me, because historically, you know, borrowers have always been resistant to that movement to to, to lower loans and higher equity checks. Mm -hmm. The borrowers seem now today they're resigned. They know. Yeah, they're not. I mean, they're not stupid people. Obviously, right. they know that you know you're not. If you ask for seventy five percent, people are going to chuckle. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. What you do is you ask for sixty five, yeah. and hope that you end up between fifty five and sixty. Yeah. Um, but that the market knows that today, so yeah. it's not it's not shocking anybody today. How are some of these um, first mortgage lenders uh, looking? at leverage when it comes to mez lending behind them or our seller seconds that, that, that's an interesting topic mm -hmm. um historically your institutional lenders have kind of poo-pooed the idea of of pref equity or mezzanine behind them um there are people now that have come to the realization that that might be a way for me to get out of this deal mm is 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 to for example um you've got a you've got a, a loan that just can't underwrite right now it's doing well the property it's well leased or whatnot but just by virtue of the interest rate environment mm -hmm. i can't get to that loan amount mm -hmm. okay so would you rather as a lender would you rather kick the can on that deal okay and you've already acknowledged that today he can't get to that loan amount mm -hmm. Okay. Would you rather kick the can or would you rather say, okay, 
we're going to lend you this and we're going to let you put X amount of pref equity behind you, behind, be, behind us, right. secondary to us, you know? And I, and I think it's caused some people that, that who have historically and, and almost naturally have, have been very anti junior financing. I, I'll throw pref equity into the junior financing yeah. mode there that are taking another look at that and saying, you know, maybe we need to change our, the way we look at that a little yeah. bit. Um, and, and as you would expect in most markets, there's an opportunity there and there are people lined up around the block to do pref equity and mezzanine financing. Cause yeah. that, you know, whenever there's a void in the market, opportunistic people fill the void right. and there's that money out there. But both, both, uh, and, and what's interesting, if you want to consider them market leaders, mm -hmm. both Fannie and Freddie have done deals now with pref equity behind them. Mm -hmm. Um, which, which I don't know that five years ago they could have done that, yeah. but they both, and, and there are lenders out there who have kind of made it a thing to yeah. be able to go behind the agencies with pref equity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I, I just kind of think that that um, the lending community, you know, is um, out of self preservation, kind of has to look at that and 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 maybe reconsider their hard stances on yeah. those. And then on uh, properties that are selling, and sellers are uh, willing to hold a second to help this borrower get. A little better leverage, right? So they can increase their returns. I guess some of these lenders think we got a, a quote on a HUD loan, and 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 they seem to be pretty favorable to uh, a seller second, which we gave the buyer a, a really favorable leverage. It was, yeah. Are some more lenders thinking of that on acquisitions? And that's another one that historically um, have been a no-no. Mm -hmm. um, but lender you know lenders are relatively smart they figured yeah. out the way to make some of these things work and that's one of the ways yeah when you're in the first position and especially if it's a a, a seller second maybe is one of your points there if you if you're in a primary position say you've got a 50 percent loan to value and the seller has a 25 percent second that well yeah. maybe if things things go bad uh that second mortgage holder comes in and takes this over and pays you i mean that's that's the theory that has always been in play. Yeah. You know, there have been lenders I've known over over the last 40 years that would love to have a 5% second behind every one of their deals. Right. Because that's a, that's another source of repayment. Right. Or that's a guy that might step in and take your borrower's place on a deal. Right. Um, but I would say more often than not, though, you know, lenders have been anti that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, you know, uh, proceeds... Are, are are suppressed in the market right now. And that's a, another way to get a deal to work. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, well, excellent. Well, thank you, Tom. Great tips, uh, great information. Thank you for so, being on the show. Again. Always great to be here. All right, yeah. and thank you for joining us around the country. Please let us know what you think. If you've got some good source for uh, funding, uh, let me know. Shoot me an email at michael at bullrealty.com. If you have a lot of cash, you want to buy office in your contrarian, uh, reach out to me. But I'll probably get more people reaching out. I go, Michael, are you crazy? <laughs> Why would you be doing office right now? Well, we'll see what happens there. Thank you for joining us. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For commercial brokerage sales and leasing in the Southeast U.S., contact our show host by email at michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success Strategies, 21 incredible one-hour agent training videos. 
Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. And by Lumet. For senior housing, health care, and multifamily financing, visit lumet.com. For more podcasts and videos, subscribe and visit CREshow.com.